Let's turn our attention now to the situation that has been unfolding and the increasing tensions between e-hailing drivers and taxi drivers in the country. Like I said, it seems to be a nationwide problem, but of course there are some areas of the country that are experiencing um, this violence on a more on a bigger scale, if I can put it that way. Theo Ngongi is the spokesperson for the Gauteng Roads and Transport Department. Theo, good morning to you and thank you for your time this morning. Very good morning, Kathy, and uh, thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, good morning to the listeners as well. It's an incredibly worrying situation that the violence that we have seen meted out against e-hailing drivers has not only stopped, has not only not stopped, but the acts of intimidation, the harassment is taking place at a much higher scale, but nothing seems to be done about it, Theo. I wouldn't say, Kathy, that nothing is being done about it. I think you're right to say that um, we continue to see this incident happening. Um, at least from our side as the Department of Roads and Transport in Gauteng, uh, we've had a number of engagements with both. Um, uh, you would know there's problems within the meter taxi industry itself or, or, or your e-hailing industry itself. Um, we are intervening there, but also... Um, with the taxi industry, we have uh, continuous uh, forums that we have to ensure that we bring people to the negotiating table instead of uh, people resorting to violence. And um, in terms of law enforcement, there's, there's been arrests. For instance, in Katsihong, two people were arrested uh, for that attack on an, an e-hailing driver. So to say that nothing is happening, I think, is, is uh, a bit short-sighted. But uh, I think the problem um, that we face in that uh, space uh, continues, and I think we are attending to it um, via different, uh, obviously, strategies. That, that doesn't seem to be the picture that is created by the association that represents e-hailing drivers. And, you know, while conversations may well be taking place, these conversations have been ongoing since the launch of your Ubers and your bolts, you know, in, in South Africa. So the fact that the talks are continuing, but it's not resulting in a tangible change in as far as the experience of violence is concerned, then of course the impression that nothing is happening is a valid one. As long as the violence is still there, then effectively what is being done that will stop the violence? Yeah, there's the, the two things that I said, Cathy. Um, one is um, there is this culture in the taxi industry, which everyone knows about, uh, which has violence embedded in how it runs itself. And um, you would know that um, through the summit that we held in 2019, uh, together with the taxi industry, they admitted it themselves that uh, um, violence has become so out of control within their system that it's, uh, they, they can't do anything about it. It's almost um, out of their hands as well. So um, through forums that we have created uh, after the, the Gauteng Transport uh, Taxi Summit, we are continuously Kathy, trying to make sure that when there's an incident of violence or where there is a threat of violence, uh, we create a platform um, that would allow for people who are involved in those um, misunderstandings, so to speak, uh, to engage first. Um, to say that uh, the matter is... But, but people are, being, people are be. being killed, Theo. 
People are being killed. Those are not misunderstandings. That is criminality. And to say that there is a culture of violence that is embedded in the taxi industry, and we all know that that's what it is, that almost seems to be an acceptance of the fact that the taxi industry gets away literally with murder. And instead of having more concrete action taken against them, there are conversations that, that are had to mediate between these, these different entities, whereas criminalities is really criminality, Theo. No, absolutely, you're right. And, and that's where the law enforcement has a big role to play. And um, there's been arrests uh, in some instances, and, and I, I do admit that uh, we're, not, we're not seeing enough of those arrests. So law enforcement should play its part. But... Um, the, 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 what, what we've been doing in the, in the background, Cathy, to even avoid some of uh, what you are seeing, um, and, and I'm saying that because um, if you look at the stats, for instance, the police will give you, uh, in Gauteng at least, um, there is a marked um, reduction in, in incidences of violence because um, there are platforms that are there that allow us, for instance, to have our feelers out there um, and to... Uh, anticipate where there's, um, there's areas where people don't agree, and those are potential um, uh, risks for violence. So we, we meet with them and we intervene uh, when those incidents uh, are threatening to happen. So um, it, 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 it's a very difficult one, and I know the frustration that you are, you are expressing, uh, that you know there's still people being killed, there's still um, people being beaten up, um, by people who are allegedly from the taxi industry. But um, you would know that this culture has been there for a very long time, and they admitted themselves that this culture has been there for a very long time. But uh, they are making steps, working with us as a department, uh, to try and resolve those. So, On the so, 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 front, yeah. um, you would know that there's, there's, because of uh, the, the system itself is, is relatively new, and uh, there's legislation that is still uh, being finalized um, to regulate um, the meters or the e-hailing industry. Uh, within the industry itself, you find that uh, there are disagreements between uh, the owners of the platforms and um, the partners or the drivers. And um, what we've done um, over uh, the past couple of months or two months or so, we've appointed a, an advocate who is a mediator who speaks to all those uh, stakeholders in that um, sector to make sure that uh, all those problems are ironed out and um, we try and bring in a new um, regime when we deal with uh, this, this industry so, moving forward. So, 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 Theo, are there currently any providers of transport services, whether it's your e-hailing drivers, your meter taxis, that are not allowed to operate, as in whose operations in this country are classified as illegal? In, in terms of e-hailing, they would obviously have to uh, comply with certain, with certain regulations such as an operating license. So if you don't have it, an operating license, you shouldn't uh, be allowed to operate. Having said that, no one is allowed by law uh, to then take the law in, in, in their own hands and decide whether this person should operate or not. When and you talk, when you talk about an operating license, what kind of license is that? So an operating license is one that we would issue out 
to a public transport operator. It will give them the routes that they take. Um, it will also um, tell you where they load and offload um, so that we avoid uh, clashes between um, different modes of transport. Um, these are in the, and, and I know many people in the e-hailing industry will tell you that some um, e-hailing service providers don't have um, that uh, permit, but they are allowed to, to operate. So the, the operating license really is essentially to just regulate the route and who picks up where and who, who then drops off where. You would know that with e-hailing, it becomes a bit challenging, and um, uh, we are not qualified too much to talk about the legislation part of it because that is being handled by the National Department of Transport. Um, but um, the, the amendment bill is, I, I know it was returned from the president, it will regulate properly what um, e-hailing industry should uh, look like and how yes. it should operate. Yes, and, and, and that's precisely at, at the, the moment, point, Theo. The point is at, that... At, at the moment, Kathy, uh. we, 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 they are operating in, an, in a sort of... Um, it, it's not a legislated uh, manner, and maybe some of the problems would come from that, but that is being attended to by the National Department of Transport. Yes, and, and Theo, that's precisely the point, that... There is this emphasis on regulations and operating licenses from um, the transport departments on officials. At the same time, the reality is that there was no legislation in place because apparently nobody saw the issue of your e-hailing services coming to South Africa. So it is not the fault of those who are taking advantage of these technologies and operating in South Africa that there is no legislation that currently prescribes how they should work. And the impression that one then gets, just based on, on, on the language, when you say it's illegal to operate without a license, effectively you are saying that for those drivers who are part of e-hailing services, Whenever they do a pickup or a drop off, that is considered to be illegal by the government of this country. Absolutely, absolutely not, Kathy. Um, there's, there's been some provision that has been made in the meantime that uh, people were drafting the amendment bill, which which I uh, have been returned from the presidency. Um, so, so there's there's been some provision for people to be able to pick up. And um, I know um, certain e-hailing uh, service providers would have um, operating licenses. Some, there's been a provision that has been made for them because, as you say, the technology um, ran ahead of us and, and uh, we had to almost respond to the technology. Um, e-hailing is here and um, the legislation that is, is being refined now, it should help us to um, structure it better. But there are provisions, provisions within the law that have been made for them to be regularized and for them to be able to pick up and drop off. So then but, why um, is there not challenge. a greater effort being made to ensure that the violence and the harassment that they're experiencing is brought to an end? Because you talk about how, you know, you're having conversations with the taxi industry, but at the same time, what you emphasize is the fact that while there's a culture of violence in the taxi industry, and the taxi industry itself says, you know, they can't control it. It's out of control. So nobody can really control it. And so it's a case of sitting back and then trying to have feelers out to see when tensions are going to blow up and, 
and then responding and intervening. But why is that even the situation in the first place? Are there no alternatives to the scenario that we're currently in today? So I only mentioned the, the negotiation part of, of the solution, but I didn't mention what we are doing as a punitive measure as well. Because uh, you would know that this doesn't only affect uh, e-hailing or, or uh, meter taxis um, or people who are driving meter taxis. Also members of the public do complain that um, they are being harassed when they pick up their friends or, or their colleagues uh, because taxi industry has this tendency of thinking that uh, these roads are there that no one is supposed to pick up. So um, in 2020, we successfully applied um, to the High Court in um, North Gauteng uh, to give us an order that allows us to uh, take a, 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 an operator or a, a taxi association that is involved in acts of violence and put them under administration. So we've done that uh, uh, a numerous times where we see these paramilitary groups that carry guns and um, they call themselves uh, security services that are operating on behalf of the taxi industry. When we see those and when we are being alerted to those, we ensure that uh, we put that, that association under administration. Uh, we bring a, a new person to run their affairs until they commit to nonviolence and until they commit to the proper running of a taxi association. So this violence issue is not an issue that uh, we are only reacting to, Kathy. It's also um, an issue that we are um, actively trying to fuck uh, out of the uh, taxi industry. Let me take a couple of callers. You are invited, of course, to dial in on 011-714-2006. Mark, you're calling us from Johannesburg. Good morning. Morning, Kathy. Um, just wanted to touch on uh, the taxi industry. Um, mm. Everybody knows that the e, there's a big difference in e-hailing and uh, these uh, meter taxi drivers in terms of police uh, screening where the one gets fully police screened every uh, 45 or 65 days and the other isn't even police screened. You can mm. be picked up by a pedophile or a murderer and that person is getting preferred parking at airports and major business sectors. Now let's move to the taxi industry. When it moves away from, I call a taxi, to somebody that's providing a service to multiple people like a taxi, that should all be underneath government sectors. There shouldn't even be a, a discussion about it. It should be under the government, and that's where the problem sits, I believe. What's your take? So so you are saying that ultimately there must be the issue of regulation that that is sped up. Not even regulation. It should be run underneath government. What do you mean? When it comes to an e-hailing service, Uh. it needs to be police clearance. That's a business business thing, but where the taxis are, it shouldn't be business. It's public. It should be offered by government. So, 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 what should be under government? The taxi industry, the e-hailing the industry, tax, or all the, of it? The, 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 the minibuses. When you're traveling with multiple people, like it's, it's classed as a bus, mm. a minibus or bus, mm. that should be run underneath government. Yeah. It'll take all the sectional. It'll take the taxi bosses out of it. It will make it more safer for the people. And it's about the people. It's not about the the taxi operators. Right? It's about the yeah. Look, look, Mark. The other alternative is that, of course, we could have better transport infrastructure that would create a less demand the for ANC the private sector. Mm. The, the ANC done exactly what Ghana did. Ghana used to have a great railway infrastructure and a great rapid bus transport system. Mm. But then somebody in government thought it was clever that he was going to make money and, 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 and got this taxi industry 
Then it took away the rapid transport, uh, rapid bus transport system, and it took away the railway line. That's a government problem. That you know they've done it purposely or unpurposely, but it happened to be this way. But it happens across multiple countries that can't be said. Or, um, mm. it's unique to South Africa. Yeah, look, Mark, I don't, I don't know that it happened quite exactly as what you're saying. But the point is that our rail infrastructure, of course, has been left in a state of decay, which means that even though millions of people depend on it for transport, it has become unreliable. The rapid rail system, you'd remember there have been several initiatives to launch rap- rapid rail in different parts of the country. And when that has taken place, the taxi industry has in some instances protested. There's been violence. There's been tensions. And so it also limits the scale uh, to which government then launches some of these rapid bus. um, I mean, remember, in in Johannesburg, we still have Reavaya. I I don't know how popular it, it is or how often people use it. But the reality is that if we had better provisions of transport, public transport from government, then perhaps the need to use e-hailing um, services or even meter taxis or even, uh, you know, the normal taxis, that that need would be somewhat diminished. Don't you believe if you take the factional side out of it, the taxi bosses, this tribe, that tribe, and you make it governmental, they won't be fighting. Oh, you, you know, you take Mark, the factional away. <laughs> I don't know because they're factions in, in 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 government as well. You know, especially if we're looking at the politics of the governing party, we just need systems that work beyond politics. That's that's the reality. Uh, Mark calling us from uh, Joburg. There, it's just after ten thirty. Luanda standing by with your headlines. I'll take more calls. Thiongongi, he speaks on uh, behalf of the transport department in Gauteng. He's still on the line. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. So we continue the conversation then focusing on the tensions, the ongoing tensions between e-hailing drivers and uh, taxi drivers in the country and the subsequent violence um, that seems to emanate from this tension. King George, you're calling us, um, you're you're an e-hailing driver rather. Good morning to you. Good morning, Katsi, and good morning to your listeners. Yes. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm a drug driver on the e-hailing uh, platform. Yes. Mm. So, so my question, Katsi, that I want to pose to the spokesperson of the DOT is as follows. Um, e-hailing is, is legal, but there is no communication that has been sent out. In the absence of the, of, of the regulation, there is what they call a practice not that legalizes the e-hailing services. But that communication has never been sent those, uh, to, 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 to other uh, uh, partners in the industry so that they understand uh, where, where mm-hmm. the standpoint of the department is. Uh, the question is, when is that communication going to go out? And the second question will be, Kathy, um, uh, as, 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 as we've, we've, we've been meeting with them, uh, you mentioned that there is the judge that has been appointed uh, to look into the issues of, of e-hailing and other co-partners. How far is that process and what is making it go on at a slow pace up to now? Okay. Those it's... are the two questions that I need to pose to this gentleman. All right, King George, stay on the line. Theo? Uh, thanks so much, King George. Um, um, uh, Kathy and um, uh, to King George as well. Um, there's a, two questions posed are very important. One, the provisions that are there, um, they should be 
really disseminated by the the owner of the app or the e-hailing app. So that that doesn't become the role of government. So he's talking about partner and and um, the owners of the platforms. I think he's right that um, there, there is a bit of a disjoint in how they communicate within the system itself, the e-hailing system. And hence we've um, appointed the advocate to um, go in and sort of um, mediate between the two parties. And you would know that e-hailing is a private business. And um, we took it upon ourselves to go mediate there because we saw how critical it is for us to be involved. So that process, unfortunately, we cannot rush it because it's, it's the e-hailing operators of the drivers and um, the platform owners who are uh, solving their own problems. So we can't really rush that process. It's been, in, um, it's been going for about two uh, weeks now, I mean two months now. Um, we are allowing that process to run its course. Uh, but back to what uh, Mark was talking about earlier and putting the minibus industry under the government. Um, essentially, the, the, the operating permit, it really gives the state the power to govern over the operations of uh, different associations. What it does, as I said, it gives you um, the routes that you're supposed to operate on. And if you're not on that route, uh, you are dealt with according to the law. So... Um, what we are doing and the conversation that, uh, Kathy, I think we, we should interest you in is what we've been doing in the, in, in behind the scenes in making sure that, one, we fund the, pro- the government's program to assist the taxi industry. As, as I said earlier, that there are endemic problems that have been there. It's a very old industry, and it's been very informal largely uh, since its inception. So there's the program that we are running, and um, uh, in the past financial year, we made about 20 million available so that we then do programs that will assist the taxi industry, including um, cooperation of, of um, the taxi industry. Because what, what you are looking at, is, I think it's a symptom, the, the violence. It's because people are, are competing uh, for one small case of the business when the taxi industry should be able, at least by now, to penetrate into other um, uh, stream of, of business that involves transport. So uh, there's a lot of um, movement that we've made uh, in, the, in, in that part of, of the conversation. And it's very important when you're attending to these issues to look at it holistically. Don't only look at it from the violence, which is, I, I think is a symptom, I will submit. It's a symptom of what actually is happening. What is happening is that the economy has shrunk. Um, people are competing for the ridership and they are, competing, they are competing for profit. But, but that problem existed even before e-hailing drivers. So, so, the nat- so, so the nature and the form of the taxi industry in this country are issues that have been well known. You know, it, it, it didn't just come to light with e-hailing drivers. These, these are issues that no, government has had decades to, to deal with. Absolutely. And, and in fact, that's why the provincial government is talking about modernization, um, corporatization of the taxi industry. It's because we know um, that these problems are actually, they come from the fact that they are the um, mass people mover. They move about 70% of the uh, commuting public. And when those numbers during the, uh, the COVID lockdown period, or whenever the, the economy is not performing, when those numbers go down, the frustration will then spill on to to the roads and and it's not only e-hailing drivers it's um people who are picking up their friends 
who, who will tell you that they are sometimes abused by, by, by the sex industry. But if we want to change this, we need to change it structurally. We, we can't be superficial about changing the way and the culture that is embedded in the taxi industry. And we, um, we've got great problems that we are running with the taxi industry. That's why I was saying to you, uh, the taxi industry knows where to find our department, and our department knows where to find the taxi industry because we have these forums that are, that are continuing. And um, there's great stories that I can tell you one day, if, if you allow me. For instance, how All the right. taxi industry has integrated into this, how train systems, that is a success story that shows you that when you, when you deal with the fundamental issues uh, that are mostly structural in the taxi industry, you end up solving other problems that come with its current structure. Uh, let me take more calls. Uh, Anonymous, good morning to you. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm good, good. Um, uh, this, this issue has a metro operator. Uh, it has mm-hmm. escalated to our tourism industry. I run a tourism business, and he's talking about the operating license. We're struggling to get our operating license with the Department of Transport. Mm. I've applied for an operating license in 2019. I've even sold one of my vehicles without even getting an operating license. A few months back, I was stopped because we also run quantum. I was stopped by taxi operators with guns, had guests inside the vehicle. Mm. Imagine if I didn't have the operating license, which is still valid, and it's expiring in December. So what if, because it's taking some time to get the operating license for the tourism industry, and a lot of tour operators have closed their businesses because of, of the, the issue of operating license. Mm. So it's, it has escalated not only to the e-hailing, even in the tour operating business. So yeah. I need yeah. our guests to tell us mm. when are they going to escalate the problem you know, for, for the for the operating license. Because we do have them and they are not mm. issuing them. And and us. you know, Anonymous, that becomes part of the problem. Is it's mm. that the, the taxi industry cannot be the custodians of checking whether people have the right licenses or not. It's simply not within the realm of their responsibilities. It, it it's mm. not their job to be able to do that. Because mm. what you have then is a case like what you're describing. And it's that the problem is that that is being allowed to happen. They're being mm. allowed to stop people, like you're saying, with guns. And, and the accounts that people have given us on the show have been absolutely shocking. And in almost all of them, people are being pointed at with guns. A- and mm. that's part of the issue here. Theo? Kathy, um, uh, criminality is criminality. And the police should deal with criminality. That is sheer criminality. There's no if and but about it. When someone encounters such an incident, they should report that with the police and open a case, and that should be investigated. They have no right, uh, taxi industry has absolutely no right to police the road. They don't own the road. The operating licenses that they operate on are issued by the state. The state is the one that is responsible for the infrastructure and everything in between and the regulation. So they have absolutely no right um, stopping people. There's nothing um, anywhere that can justify that. And when that happens, we must go to law enforcement, and law enforcement must really deal with um, such criminals. You know, so, so the difficulty, Theo, is that when people go to the police station, nobody investigates. 
police don't don't investigate you know uh, one of the things that we've been told on the show is in one incident the police officer says to the e-hailing driver yes but you you guys also you know you guys nani ish mm. and, mm. and 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 that's where it ends and you you speak about the fact that law enforcement should you know do its work but at the same time you two are aware of the limitations and the reality of, of what's happening on the road and i can't help but get a sense of the fact that you know everybody just kind of put their hands up in the air and says oh well no we, we can't put our hands in the air um, we can't um in fact uh, we had a commission of inquiry that investigated uh, taxi violence it came out with very interesting uh, findings one of which is that there is um, uh, there, there is what seems to be a conflict of interest between some police officers and the taxi industry you'll find that a police officer owns uh, a minibus taxi or is part of an association so that con- those conflicts are there and in, in terms of implementing the recommendations of um, of, of, of that uh, commission uh, there's going to be a few announcements we, we are going to be making in, in uh, the next couple of months with regards to law enforcement and introducing a dedicated public transport um, um, uh, directorate or inspectorate uh, to assist with that. And, and yes, Kathy, you're right. There, there are so many challenges uh, with police. Every one of us knows them, um, but we, we can't really condemn all the police and say they are not there, so rather not report. So all we can do is report where there's criminality, let's report criminality. And when police don't do their job, um, there's also avenues to ensure that they, they do so. There's, um, there's the legislature where you can go and complain as well. Uh, there's the community safety department where you can go and, and, and uh, complain about whatever police station or whatever police man or woman didn't treat you fairly. So there, there are many uh, places where we can go and, and follow up on those things. Right. So we can't really throw our hands in the air. But uh, what I have to emphasize is that if someone is being stopped by these illegal uh, paramilitaries uh, who, are, who are masquerading as police or, or law enforcement, those people should not uh, just sit at home or, co- or complain on the radio. They should open cases. And if those cases are not investigated, there are procedures that you can follow to ensure that you, you finally get justice. All right, Theo, let's leave it there for this morning. Thank you for your time. Theo Nkongi is the spokesperson for the Gauteng Departments of Roads and Transport. Uh, when we continue with the show within this hour, we'll be taking a look at ESCOM. And ESCOM now said to be the world's biggest emitter of sulfur dioxide. We'll find out what exactly does that mean uh, for South Africans, but also for people who are living in this commu- in the communities where all of this pollution is primarily taking place. Before we get to that, uh, your WhatsApp voice notes.